Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the Roman's Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. <sighs> a 2-2 draw against a promoted side. I, I really don't know how I feel, but here to join me and to wallow in all the pain and grief, but also to bring some positive light into this podcast is the usual suspect, Mr. Andre Andres Velasco. How you doing, man? Doing all right. Uh, doing a little bit better today after Saturday's match, but yeah, we'll, we'll get to that, but doing good Labor Day, not working on a Monday. It's a nice feeling. And a, and a start, a rare start in the first 11 for Mr. Samba Gerzade. How you doing, man? I'm great. Andreas, yeah, you do. You deserve a vacation after your uh, two week long vacation. So <laughs> good for you, man. I'm glad you got some time Som, off. Sam, you sound very enthusiastic today. Oh hell yeah! What's not to be enthusiastic about? <laughs> just drew, blew a two two nil lead against the championship Shit side. side. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, honestly, I, again, it's I I said this from the beginning of the season that I I would have no expectations for this year, and I'd go into every game like expecting nothing. But <laughs> and then I told myself still... after that that. That's not going to happen. I, I'm going to be disappointed and pissed off every time we have a bad result like this. And this was just, I mean, so so typical Chelsea, man. Uh, let, let's let's start. Let's just get into it. Let me go through the starting eleven real quick. We had Kepa and Goal, Dave Zuma, Tomori, and Emerson in the back line. So Tomori, uh, Andreas Christensen not getting the start, which uh, I don't know. I think Andreas he might want to get into that a little bit, but then. We'll move into the midfield. Jorginho, Kovacic, my my boy Ross Barkley, who had himself <laughs> quite the match. <laughs> and then a front three <laughs> of Mason Mount, Pulisic, and Tammy. Hashtag Team Tammy. Uh, hashtag Kevin. So, hashtag Team Kevin. Hashtag Kevin. I don't know why he doesn't go by Kevin. That's, that's very just, true. Could we fill everyone in what we were talking about before the show started? Oh, like just the, the, the names on our team? <laughs> Their full names. Yeah. yeah so the we... two... The two in particular that we looked at, Tammy Abraham, his full name, Kevin Ogenetega Tamarebi Bakumo Abraham. So, like, that one, I don't know why he doesn't just go by Kevin or Kev. Like, you know, like, I, I get where he gets the Tammy from. It's from the Tamarebi, but still, Kevin. Uh, but Tamori's, Tamori's name, I understand. His, his name is... Oluwafi Kayomi Oluwada Milola Tomori. So great pronunciation there. I know it was, it was a little tough. It's, it's uh... there's a little bit of Nigerian in Psalms family. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. I, I, I down my uh, family line. I have a, yeah, just a little bit. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, so let's let, let's let's let me get your thoughts on the starting eleven on JS. I kind of. Uh, mentioned it in the in when I was going over the starting eleven. No Andreas Christensen. Uh, what were your thoughts on that and just the overall starting I, eleven? I, I saw the starting eleven and my first instinct was Google what happened. Andreas Christensen injury. Couldn't find a single thing. I am a little bit shocked because to this point I thought he had been our better center back. I don't think he has been struggling with fitness by any means. So puzzling. I, I was confused. I was very confused again. If anyone was going to be dropped in my head, it would have been Zuma. 
that way Tamori and Christensen could have gotten a run. Again, Christensen being the stronger of the two center backs to this point. So that one was a big, big just question mark for me. Didn't know what to expect. Didn't know what, how it would play out. And yeah, I'm still, I, I still don't know what happened there. Frank basically just said after the game that he just was rotating, giving the, the guy a chance. But I want more than that just because I simply, as from a fan watching the game, I think that Christensen deserved the 90 over. He's probably been our best players. center back this season, right? Yeah. Yeah, Definitely the most down. composed. You know, and Christensen said before the match started uh, in, in a press conference, he said, like, this is the best he's felt in a while. Like, he's played a few matches in a row now. He feels good. He has got he has his confidence back. And you could tell that he has his confidence back. But, I mean, I don't really want to talk about the starting 11 as much as I want to talk about Ross Barkley. And to yeah, be completely yeah, honest, about Ross Barkley. the guy is lost. <laughs> he's completely lost. Come on, man. And, what the heck? I mean, I'm I'm about to go in. I mean, the only difference I really see from him under Sari to Ross Barkley under Frank is that he doesn't pass sideways anymore, and instead he just gives the ball away. So in the first 12 minutes, Andres, you were the one that texted this in the group chat, so I'll give you credit for it. But in the first 12 minutes, Andres sent us a text. He lost the ball five times. I rewatched the match. I rewatched the first 12 minutes. Andres, you were spot on. He actually did lose the ball five times in 12 minutes. <laughs> I mean, I don't even think he touched the ball more than like eight or nine times total. And, you know, like last week we mentioned it also. I mentioned the fact that he gave the ball away four times in the first 20 minutes. And now it's even getting worse at home to an opposition side that's not as good as a Norwich team that we played last week. Because, I mean, let's be fair, for parts of that game, Norwich were pretty decent. For me, Ruben and Conte cannot come back soon enough. And for now, um, it's a bold, it's a bold hot take here. But I think it's time to start Willian off the left and play Mount in his preferred like eight slash ten hybrid role because I'm just so overseeing Ross Barkley get these runouts and just completely not impact the game in any sort of way. Yeah, the the amount of turnovers was nuts. Uh, for the guy Jad, our our guest a couple weeks ago, he was literally just sending me one. Two, three. <laughs> the count got to like nine, I think. It was insane. Every time my phone would buzz, I'd be like, oh, there's Jad again. So, yeah, I had a live count going on the turnovers. I'm I'm not sure what's going on, man. I, I don't get how you can go from being literally a 10 out of 10 player in preseason every match, even when we lost, even when the team looked bad, to now being the one guy that's consistently looking bad when the team's playing good or when the team's going bad. So for me, I, I see him now bottom of the pecking order, literally the last resort for any position that includes a midfield, whether it's in the pivot, whether it's in the three, whether it's at the number 10, he is bottom of the barrel for me right now. Some, I mean, yeah. you're, you're, you're the Ross Barkley hype beast here on this podcast. So, I mean, like be honest with us. I mean, what are you, what are you seeing? Uh, I mean, I'm seeing the same thing as you guys. <laughs> Even my bias uh, can't isn't strong enough to p push that aside from like he. I mean, I I'm trying to envision what is the right role for him because he really you know he 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 can't control the ball. He can't make plays for other players except for that one time he had a nice cross the uh, in the in thing in the preseason. Uh, but the, besides that, like the only thing this guy does is just rip shots and 98% of his shots end up 
in the 10th row. So it's not like he's effective in that role either. Uh, but, you know, I think with, with the probable return of Cho um, after the international break, it's, mm. we're probably going to see less of Ross Barkley. I mean, we're definitely going to. No. <laughs> Mason Mount. <laughs> Mason Mount should not be playing on the wing, to be completely honest. Like, from what I've seen, I mean, he's good. But uh, I think that 10 or 8 role, like you said earlier, Zach, that's mm-hmm. that's where I see Mason Mount really uh, playing at his best, from what I've seen, like his play style. Um, and that would be amazing. Like, instead of him instead of him attacking from the wings, him coming down the middle. Um, yeah. So, and that, I think, you know, most, his, his, all, he, when he was most effective is when he was in the middle of the pitch. So just moving him that position, I think that's obviously going to make us a lot better. Um, but Ross Barkley, I don't know what to do with him, man. I, my, <laughs> it sucks because both of your guys' teams, <laughs> team, uh, what was it, Team Tammy and Kova Crew, those guys are going off. <laughs> Ross Barkley's letting me down. He's making me look like an idiot. But you know it's what? Time to, it's time to get off the Ross hype train song. <laughs> was I was think... it really a, a hype train? I feel like it was like a hype like donkey, and I was the only person who's sitting on top of it. <laughs> There's an ass sitting on top of an ass, pretty much. Basically. Um, so. But that. Yeah, I mean, it's it, but, it's, it's yeah. kind of pathetic at times. But I think I, I mean, think, and then also obviously when RLC comes back. Then we definitely probably like won't see Ross play another game, like unless it's like a. I was about to say unless it's for Euro- Europa League games, but I totally forgot that we were in Champions League. <laughs> doesn't doesn't Ross Barkley's skill set and like the way he plays and how he needs time and space to operate? I mean, that obviously doesn't translate to the Premier League, and we've seen like this sort of trend of English players starting to expand their horizons and move abroad. Maybe a move abroad for Ross Barkley wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Maybe go to a league like Italy or Spain where you might have a little bit more time and space to operate in the midfield. But, I mean, he doesn't seem like the most cultured guy in the world. So yeah, I think I, you're, I, you're I really a day late also for suggesting that since the tra- the transfer deadline just ended. No, no, no. It's, it's just a thought because, like, I mean, obviously if he doesn't show us anything this season, he's gone because, I mean, this is two full seasons now under two managers that he hasn't done it against. So, I don't know. It's just a thought. The thing that really gets me about Ross Barkley is is that he's got the tool set. You know, he's got a decent shot. He's got decent strength. He's technically all right. So, it's just all seems to be mental whether the IQ's not not there but you know that's that's one of the things when people were like oh well why aren't you as pissed off with what Cahill messes up or when Aspie messes up well those guys are in their 30s now and those guys showed us something right (laughs) sorry to cut you off yeah they were in their prime at one point they were undroppable Barkley has gotten every chance to be that guy and then he just like when the light gets put, put on him is when everything just goes to crap like in the preseason, nobody's really paying attention, and he shines. Then it's like, oh, Ross Barkley was fantastic. He'll probably be Chelsea's number ten, and then boom, just garbage. So that's my biggest gripe with him. I just, oh, it's just frustrating because he has everything in his toolbox to be good, and then it just never comes out. So you see what I saw, right? Why, why I got onto the the bandwagon? I'm not entirely crazy. <laughs> yeah, I'm exactly. Like bandwagon. we 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 saw what he could do at Everton 
And it was one of those things like, man, imagine him at a top club. Then we get him here for spare change. And you're thinking, okay, like, oh, he got, he's going to get even more space because he's playing with Eden and with William, who would draw a lot of attention. And then nothing, just just nothing. I, I, I can't defend the guy anymore. It's not the ACL. It's not fitness. It's just meh. Yeah. Maybe he's homesick, can't get accustomed to the London lifestyle. Just send him back to Marseyside somewhere. Uh, but let me go through the, the match stats real quick. So uh, we had 13 shots, five on target, uh, plus a couple that hit the post, I think. And then uh, Sheffield, eight shots, two on target. We had 62% possession, uh, possession compared to their 38%. 49% of uh, 49% of Sheffield's attacks were coming down the left side which means that they were specifically targeting Dave, and it really did work in their favor. We talked a little bit about this last week. Um, I think the consensus here, uh, this was after Andreas uh, got off, but the uh, the consensus here was kind of that he's not done. He's just in bad form right now to start this, the season. And actually, um, we got a Twitter question about that. And you know, now that we have Andreas here, we can get his take on it as well. This one's from at Parish Pollard, who I believe is this a new, new listener question? Or he has, is. He, he's asked us some questions before. I, th- I think we've mentioned him a few times on the pod, but this is like the first consecutive Twitter oh, question right, right. bonanza from him. Yeah. What's no, up, this Parrish? Is I'll recognize your name. I'll recognize your name next question. Uh, I just keep on sending him in. So he asks, "Is Aspie finished or just having a tough start to the season with the new back line?" Uh, Andreas, let let me hear what you have to say since we we already kind of mentioned it last week. Yeah, um, finished altogether, maybe no. I think that if we're looking at possessing and spending most of our time attacking, he just might not be the right fit. Now, if we're going to be sitting back with a low block, sure, Aspie all day, right? That's where he thrives. But... I think we're getting a little bit of that Ivanovich feeling from that 15-16 season. Uh, he's just not God. quick enough, and his I don't think his his play style and, and what he likes to do on the field is what is being asked of him. So he's kind of I, I mentioned he's getting this identity crisis, right? We want to have our fullbacks running up and down the flanks, and that's just not usually what Aspie does. So luckily, he's a like a amazing professional he's been talking about nurturing reese james into the team and that sort of thing so i can't see him causing a big bus if and when he is dropped for reese james and if reese james balls out and causes him to get benched i doubt he'll say anything i think he'll still be a great servant to the club but unfortunately it is now a discussion point as to who and when we're going to get a new right back or or is reese james going to slot in and be the guy so I, I don't see Aspie being our starter by the end of this season. I mean, in a way, I, I do feel kind of bad for Dave because, I mean, he's been the main scapegoat thus far this season, right? Like last year, we had Jorginho. We had William for large parts of the season. This year, we got Dave. And, I mean, we do have to remember, and, and this is in defense of him because he is still a fantastic player, but... 
you know, he doesn't necessarily he, – he's not playing with the same team and the same players per se as he did last season. He was used to having Rudiger on his left-hand side, and he was also used to having the N'Golo Conte sh- defensive shield in front of him, which he doesn't have now. And, I mean, it's a fact that we're getting exposed more in the midfield as well because of it. So, yeah, I mean, in a way, his form has dropped. He's not performing up to his usual standards. It's really obvious that he has a lot of mileage in those legs and with, you know, taking into consideration the last three, four seasons, how many matches he's actually played. And I think that's starting to bite him in the ass now. And, you know, hopefully Lamps gives him a a few games rest when Reese James comes back just so he can clear his head and then get back to the Dave that we all know. Because I'm going to be honest here. I'm not concerned about about. I think if he does get that little brain break that he needs, he's enough of a professional to kind of snap back into it and get his mind and body right in order to be in order to have some sort of impact this season. Andres, you said it. He's a model professional. If Reese James keeps him out of the first team, keeps him out of that starting eleven, he's not going to bitch and moan and throw his, and throw his toys out the pram. He's going to sit on the bench. He's going to st- he's going to stay focused. And when his name gets called, he's going to give it 110. percent So maybe it's a matter of him just recharging his batteries or or. or you know, it's it kind of reminds me of like when your computer crashes and you just have to restart it and let it like, you know, battery gets really hot. you got to let it cool off for a little bit, turn it back on and then boom, things are, you know, as good as new. I just think it's a matter of that with Dave. He just needs to get taken out of the firing line and, you know, uh, and, and have time to himself to just sort of get his shit together because he's, you know, he's 30 years old now. He's the captain of our club. He's good enough and experienced enough to get back into form on his own without as much nurturing from the manager. So oh, I, I, I guess time will tell, but I'm going to be honest. Like I'm, I'm not worried. I don't, I'm not thinking like, Oh, we're having a crisis at right back right now. It's, it's actually far from it. When you look at all the players we're missing and the circumstances behind Dave's dip in form as well. So Zach, I really like that analogy, the hot battery one. <laughs> really <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of what it's like. Like yeah. he's been literally run to the ground. He's played every single minute for us this season. So like, and uh, last season and, and the season se- before. Exactly. And then he he was part of the World Cup squad for Spain as well. So, you know, he never really had like a full summer to just kind of relax and enjoy himself and just, you know, get his mind and body off of football for a little bit. And I, I think that's what he needs. But the players get burned are- out. They're human. The one thing, Zach, that you said that I don't really agree with is I think you mentioned the scapegoating, you know, between him and with Jorginho last year. I think Jorginho's scapegoat saga was a little bit was, – was less deserving than it is right now of uh, Dave because mm-hmm. Dave has been unquestionably playing really poorly. And, you know, Jorginho wasn't playing poorly. It was just that I don't think the fans were used – to the kind of play style he is and expected a lot like a different kind of play style but with dave we 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 know what to expect because we've seen it the last however however many years he's been on on the team and he's been playing at a very very poor level so it's not i don't i don't see it as a scapegoat situation because there's no debate he's been really bad and Mm-hmm. And it's and the, the 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 debate right now is whether again, <laughs> like like uh, at Parish Pollard asked, is he finished or is it just uh, struggling to you know get right at the start of the season? He's been he's been, he has been terrible and he's yeah. he's given up a lot of chances and you see you know a championship side like this specifically attacking him. Um, that's 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 all you need to know. Um, 
you know, we, we're going to get into Team Tammy first, but I think we should just go through all the negatives and then finish off on a positive note, right, Zach? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so let's yeah, start off my with bad. The, let's start off with the negatives, though. Uh, wow. Obviously, I'll, I'll I'll just state the obvious. You know, playing back to back championship sides. You know, we barely squeak out a win last week against, or yeah, two weeks ago against Norwich, and then bear and then blow two 0 lead, having them score in the first minute of the second half and just completely fall apart. That is just disappointing to me, obviously. I mean, that that's stating the obvious. And then my, then my next point, we've already gone over it, but Ross Barkley was just awful. And I was so – I was – you know, I, I, before this game, I kind of was was still on the side that, okay, he, you know, he, he'll get back into it. But it's been the same thing week after week, and he's he's by, been by far our worst player. And again, like <laughs> this is coming from someone who's got a lot of love for him, but still, like I gotta, I gotta, I gotta spit the truth and acknowledge what I see. What about you, Zach? What are some negatives? I mean, you just said Dave was our worst player, and now Ross is our worst <laughs> player. So, I mean, like that just kind of tells you where we're at right yeah. now. But um, yeah. it, it's it has to be the second halves, man. I mean, our inability to keep possession throughout the full ninety just does nothing but open up the game for the opponent and it causes our midfielders to constantly track back and forth and shift from defensive transition to an offensive transition and it tires us out i mean we don't have ngolo conte in there we don't have an engine like midfielder i wouldn't call Jorginho an engine or kovacic an engine per se i mean they could do a job and Jorginho's done pretty well at the defensive midfield role you know considering that he's our last line of defense in that midfield three so i mean we're doing what we can, but the problem is we turn the ball over, we lose our composure in that second half, and when we turn that ball over, our attackers are high up the pitch and our midfield is in flux, and they're the ones responsible for tracking back, and that's how other teams are able to expose us. So like with Sheffield, and you know, their center backs, like I said last week, they pull out wide in possession, which is really odd. And that kind of drags out our our uh, our wingers. And when we would nick the ball from them, that transition from defense to attack just wasn't seamless, and Sheffield was picking us off, and our wingers were already high up the pitch, and that just our three midfielders and and our back line against virtually their whole team in transition, and that's how they nicked their two goals off of us. It's it's a concern for me. We need to find a way to keep our composure late in matches. We need to find a way to, or, or maybe it's not systematic as much as it is, you know, the personnel that's on the pitch. But for me, there's no excuse. We got guys like Jorginho. We got guys like Kovacic, Mason Mount, Pulisic. Those guys are press resistant. Like those guys can can pass around any defense and keep and just keep the ball. But we're trying to find these killer passes and 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 we're trying to hit these home runs per se to use an American term. But we're we're, we're trying too hard to to find that final ball as opposed to that buildup leading into the final ball. And and maybe that goes down to youth. Maybe it goes down to inexperience. Maybe it goes down to the manager, but it's something that needs to be remedied ASAP because we're getting exposed by championship sides. And next, next uh, after the international break, we play Wolves, who are experts at the counterattack. I mean, yeah, they haven't had the start of, uh, the strongest start to the season, but I mean, good God, I mean, Raul Jimenez and Jota would have a, an an absolute ball playing against us in transition. So, I mean, that's my biggest concern. Moving on, I think it will be remedied when we get Conte back. 
hopefully uh, sometime soon. But I mean, for now, we we just got to find a way to plug that hole. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll piggyback off what you're saying. So definitely this, I don't know if it's the fact that we've kind of gone back to the 4-2-3-1 and that that front four is just completely disjointed from the back six. Uh, I I don't know. The, those gaps should not be existing at all by now. We should, I mean, what is it, four or five games in? We shouldn't be having that exact same issue come up versus multiple oppositions that play different games. That The fact that they Sheffield plays different than Norwich, who plays different than Leicester, and it's been the same kind of issue. Now, I just think the 4-3-3 is more stable in terms of the, the defined lines and, and being able to keep them kind of compact. We were so good to do that against Liverpool. So I don't know if it's because of the personnel that we have right now. We're limited to the 4-2-3-1. Hopefully this international break can bring us back. Our our players who are injured can come back healthy and ready to go. We didn't get good news today. Kovacic might have an Achilles injury, which just adds to the problem here. But uh, I didn't get a chance to to kind of give my final thought on Aspie. And, you know, yes, Zom mentioned it. It's a difference between the scapegoat and, and he was one of my negatives. Aspie gave away possession 20 times. Against Sheffield United, we were talking about turnovers with Barkley. But, yeah, Skaka football posted that Ashby gave away the ball 20 times, which was three times more than any other player on the pitch, not Chelsea's, on the whole pitch. So out of 22 players, he gave up the ball three times more than the next guy. And that's just not good enough. Not good enough at all. I'm going to sound sound like an idiot, but I I didn't hear about this Kovacic news until – just right now, literally. This it, is... it literally happened just right now. What are you talking about? Achilles injury? Um, he just got sent back to Cobham from international oh. duty for a potential Achilles injury. Uh, the extent of it isn't known. It could be an extension. It could be an inflammation. So worst case scenario, that's a four-week injury. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, I'm, I'm was, looking I at it to... right now. <laughs> And, and according, it. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now, yeah. and uh, I mean, according to Metro, although it's hoped that Kovacic has not suffered anything serious, the injury is significant enough that he'll be unable to play any part in Croatia's upcoming matches. Okay, so maybe, um, maybe this could just be. I mean, and I'm being optimistic, but maybe this could just cautious. be a simple case of yeah, we're gonna play it cautious. He's been playing a lot of minutes. We're not gonna play Ross Barkley anymore, so we need him for. <laughs> Hopefully crossed. that's the case. Hopefully yeah. that's the case. But uh, right back to my my Aspie comment. So yeah, the, the the turnovers by themselves is is already a big issue. But then if you look at the heat map of the first half versus the second half, Sheffield adjusted. In the first half, you could see we knew they were going to go down our flanks, and their heat map as a team was pretty even. In the second half, it was all down Aspie's side. They gave up trying to beat Emerson. They literally did. And if you watch those last twenty minutes. That Robinson guy was spinning Aspie left and right. Now, is it Aspie's fault? To an extent. But the team should also adjust. If this guy's getting burnt all game, why isn't there a center mid or a center back shadowing Aspie when he's put in a one-on-one? You know, you're, you're taught that as a, as a youth player. Hey, if there's a dribbler coming, there's a secondary defender waiting as a backup to your defender to, in case he's beat, you can jump on that last touch and clear the ball. 
that was nowhere to be seen. So again, inexperience at the center back position is a part in that. No Conte is a part of that. And, and the other last possibility there is the fact that we're so eager to press at 140 miles an hour for the first 30 minutes of a match that we are dead tired the last 30. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Kovic just literally couldn't go anymore and Frank had to take him out. And again, because of injuries or, or and honestly, because he deserved it, Billy Gilmore got put in his, his performance was inconsequential. But again, it's, it's that kind of thing. Like, why can't we find a balance as to how much we do press? We, we don't have to press at the level or energy that we do if we're not going to convert three goals in the first 10 minutes. Like, what's the point of that? Because, again, those last 20 minutes were horrendous, and Sheffield was by far the better team. So it's a, it's a mix of the tactics of how to adapt to a team that's going to come gung-ho and try to get a result against you and – also, just kind of having your teammates back. If you know you have an old guy right there, like it's the same thing with Conte and, and Kovacic shielding Jorginho. You know he's not going to be the fastest guy recovering the ball. If we make an adjustment in the midfield, why haven't we or why didn't we make an adjustment to protect Aspie? Because both crosses that scored came from that side. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's an interesting point. Like the players aren't necessarily being exposed because of their inability to play football. I mean, I just don't think Frank has done them any favors so far. And yeah, it might be unpopular. I love Frank. I think he's going to come good eventually. But we have to keep remembering, guys, this is his first season in the Premier League. I mean, this is this is considered the most competitive division in world football. So we're going to get exposed, whether it's the players or the manager, the squad, whatever it is. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Frank has done anybody any favors in terms of that back line. I mean, I just haven't seen enough adjustments. And this kind of strikes me as uh, as, a, as a situation where we're missing a certain Chelsea through and through former captain, leader, legend uh, type guy to come into this to come into the coaching staff and, and and sort of coach up those defenders. I think it smacks that we're missing JP, JT. I mean, it, if we can get him in that coaching staff next year, maybe it'll give our defenders a boost. We got a lot of young center backs. We got a we got a, a an up and coming right back. Emerson still has a lot to learn, even though he's been fantastic so far. So maybe maybe we're missing that part of the puzzle. Maybe it has something to do with the coaching staff. Maybe we just don't have that defensive expert, you know, that guy that could come in and have an immediate impact defensively on a squad. So just a thought. But I also love JT, and I also love to see him in the Chelsea coaching staff. So, you know, I'm going to keep living in fantasy land until it happens. Andres, I was wondering why you said Billy Goat deserved a, a run in the match. Um. So, for one, we're obviously short in certain positions. And one thing that Jody Morris kept saying is that the kid is just stellar in training. uh, And he's been doing pretty well with the development team. Again, this is a relegation candidate promoted side in Sheffield. These are the matches where you're supposed to kind of treat the academy players who have been doing their part in the development team to a few minutes. Like this is this is supposed to be the match where you do that. So out of the midfielders that are left, obviously we we loaned out Connor Gallagher, who has also been killing it during his loan. But he's scored. I think he's scored in every game he's played in so far. Right. So Billy Gilmore's the next bet. Lampard and Jody just talk so well about the guy. 
he while he is undersized, he is a box to box player, so it makes sense to have one of a like for like in the bench. So I think it was a, a deserved thing. It's it's Sheffield. We were up two nil at half. Like yeah, uh, up yeah. two nil at half, but <laughs> when he got subbed in, it was two. Right, right, right. Yeah. And again, again, for me, I I think his sub was inconsequential. The goal wasn't on him, but, Obviously, but a more experienced like a more experienced manager puts in Christensen, yeah, an extra center back who Who's has you? played who has played DM for Denmark, by the way. Yes, that's We've exactly. seen that oh, happen. Oh yeah, yeah, that was my mind. Yeah. great sub. And so that was what I was thinking was going to happen. You add an extra body in the back line because nothing was going forward. Nothing at this point. Nothing was happening. So you do what most British people, most British teams do, and you just squeak out a result, and we just didn't do that. And so that's, that was my exact point. I mean, it's, I'm not saying he didn't deserve it, but it just it, – the, for the timing, the situation, and what we were dealing with, I mean, like we could – in that moment, all I was thinking was we cannot – we cannot uh, – what's the word? Uh, we can't risk giving up two points in this match like there's no there like this we are already struggling as it is we're mid we're in the mid tables and if we you know blow this against the championship side or just pre, re, it, it just doesn't make any sense the timing for me like i like yeah. like just exactly like you said i think christensen in either as a as a center back coming in or as a uh, a dm that would be amazing but I think this is the kind of game where, like, if we had a Reese James on the bench, it would have been helpful, too, because that's another guy that's very familiar with playing CDM, right? Like, right. he's done that for large parts of Wigan's season last year, and the fans love them for it. He even made Team of the Week a few times playing as a center defensive mid. So there's options in the squad, but, I mean, you would think that a, that a, that a, a, a manager like Frank, considering all the managers that he's played under, Jose Mourinho is a very, very pragmatic I mean, what would Mourinho would have done in that situation? He would have looked at our bench and said, who's the tallest guy we have here? I'm going to throw you in the back line. <laughs> I mean, that's, right. the, that's honestly the right decision to make in that kind of situation. I mean, and, yeah. and I think that was the naive, naivete. How do you say that? Whatever. Naivety, the fact that <laughs> Lampard was naive. And I really do think that he came – him and Jody were like, you know what? We're going to play Billy for like the last 20. And they're like, yeah, yeah that sounds like a good idea. And it was just – that's it. The, the yeah. game, no matter what, they were going to play him, and they did that. And you're right. We're we're now at a point where we think like, – we don't know what Lampard's we're, – we're trying to discover him, and, and we try to put these labels on him as to what kind of coach he's going to be. But Maurizio Sarri would have done a coach for Barkley, and we would have been mad about that. Uh, you're right. Conte would have put the biggest, tallest dude, Adam at center back – or Mourinho, sorry. Either and Conte would have brought in an, another – another right back or another left back and put him as a makeshift winger and, and really mm-hmm. it's just another right back so again i think it was just frank thinking oh we're gonna give this kid a deserved thing and and right now as much as he says it's not about age lampard is favoriting favoring all these young guys and but favoring them okay i get it see this is what i'm trying to trying to say like you go into the match thinking all right you know, we're playing against a recently promoted side. We got to get our youth in, get some experience because this should be an easy win. And then we'll we'll put in Billy for the last 20 minutes, get him a run out. You decide that before the match. But as the match is going on and in the moment, like, why do you stick 
to that decision? Why can't you adjust? Right. You know, like that, that's the thing that worries me. And I think obviously, like you said, he'll learn, but it's not, I think it's a bad trait in a manager to have like a pre, you know, a pre-match focus on what they're going to do and not be able to adjust that with the circumstances of the match, you know, how it's playing out. Cause obviously yeah. they were, they, from, from the very first minute of the second half, we were on our heels and they were attacking us. So mm -hmm. I don't, th that's why, that's why, I, I mean, I get, I get the idea of, Billy deserving a run because of his how good he was playing in training, but this was not the match. This wasn't it. But I think I think that does it for the negatives for now. I kind of want to move into the positives, and the number one positive thing going on in our club is Tammy Abraham. Hashtag Team Tammy. He strikes mm -hmm. again. Two first half goals. Four shots. Three on target. Four key passes. Three out of eight aerials won. Not too shabby. So now Tammy has gone back-to-back -back solid performances, and it's clear he can score goals, but uh, what can he still improve on? And give me some, some some of your takes on what you saw from Tammy, not just this past week, but the past two weeks. Zach, what do you think? So we saw him against Norwich, and I couldn't stop talking about how well taken his two goals were, right? Fast forward to this week does the same thing, scores two goals, but they were scrappy goals. And they were poacher-like goals, right? <laughs> Finding the ball knock, knock, in the, the, the – Knocked out of the keeper's hands was pretty hilarious. Yeah, yeah but, but I mean, listen, they all count the same, right? And we it's something that we haven't had in our squad in so, so long. I mean, I can't remember the last time we scored – a striker of ours scored a scrappy goal like that, let alone two. So, I mean, we're seeing that Tammy's multifaceted. He could score pretty. He can beat players for pace. He can turn. He, we know he could play with his back to goal, those simple one, two touch passes. I mean, obviously, when he over, he, sometimes he might over elaborate at times, but still, I mean, he's still young. He has four goals in the last two matches. I mean, we have so much to look forward to now. The one thing that I saw in this match, and maybe it's a consequence of the other team's formation and, and a consequence of the way we played because we did panic a little bit, but he's not very strong in the air against physical center backs. And I know he won't be facing center backs that physical every single week because the championship side center backs tend to be, you know, freaking Hulk like figures that are just like six, five, 200 pounds, just monsters. But like, you know, when we do play the silkier sides, he might have a little bit more freedom and a, and a little bit more fun in the air, but based on what I've seen, I mean, the guy could play. And I think we have a real number nine on our hands here. I said it last week, but now this week is just furthering. It's it's only helping my evidence of last week and, and helping my case even more because, you know, two scrappy goals, different types of goals. And, and we've seen them score all types now. So this is something that we definitely have to look forward to. But like I said, I think the one thing that he could improve on is definitely that aerial ability. He has a size. I think he has the athleticism. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he can get up. Um, but again, we won't be facing. He won't be facing three center backs every week. And uh, you know, the sides I could see him struggling against. You know, the Burnleys of the world. You know, Sheffield, of course. But you know, you think of the other deep lying defenses. Maybe Wolves. Maybe that's an opportunity for Ali Giroud to get like 15 or 20 minutes at the end of the match so he can maybe mix, mix things up a little bit. Or maybe those are the matches where Ali Giroud rotates into the side and gives Tammy a rest. But overall, I'm, I've been very happy with him. I mean, I'm, I'd, I'd be very hard-pressed 
to not get his jersey this year. <laughs> I mean, I just I just love the guy. Man, yeah, there's not much negative to say about him in this game because in a game where we struggled to create our own chances, he got two goals. And and that speaks volumes. Like you said, the ball went in the back of the net. Nobody cared when Chicharito was scoring with the, his face against us because he scored. And that's the kind of thing that I'm looking forward to from Tammy. It's just the fact that he did score two very scrappy goals. One of them was one of those that bounced around the box. He was at the right place. Boom. Just pushed that in. And yeah, it's just it's just nice to see that last week he scored the nice finesse, well thought out shots. And then this week he's like, yeah, I'm just going to poke it in however I need to. Uh, I'm excited. I hope that these goals are more than just against promoted sides because we have played promoted sides back-to-back weeks. And, I mean, four goals in two games, he's up there now for the Golden Boot race for, for like as it stands. So it's a lot more than we expected. So I'm very happy for him. Sam, yeah. give me a positive, man. <laughs> give, 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 give us some more positivity in this podcast because it's been pretty dross lately. Like, let's just... Give me something. I got a little positive note for you. Something that just broke, like, within the last four minutes. Kennedy on loan to Getafe. <laughs> La Liga side. So uh, oh, that's something that's a little bit of a positive. I mean, something exciting. <laughs> but uh, as far as the Sheffield match, wow. Um, <laughs> I, I, It's hard for me to even see one to be honest the only thing the only positive note i can think of obviously is uh cho supposed to be coming back like you said and uh i mean i don't know i mean is does williams performance count as a positive because like i I, I, it I, does. Wasn't, I, I i completely on it to be completely honest i wasn't too impressed i didn't see much he seemed to be playing a little bit better from the previous uh, appearances. Obviously, right? He ha- he hasn't started a match yet, right? Has he? Has nope. he made a start? Yeah. So he hasn't. So from what we've seen of him, he- he's looking a little bit better. I think he will. Obviously, within the next couple of weeks, when he you know gets in better fitness, he'll make he'll make his first actual start wearing that <laughs> number ten, which is kind of it's still it's still very jarring. <laughs> to see William rocking that. I mean, do you, do you guys agree? It doesn't, it doesn't right? look right. Yeah, I know. It doesn't like, look right. Yeah. You know, not seeing the 22 on him, uh, that's one thing. But having that 10 on him, it's it, – I'm having second thoughts on it. But, you know <laughs> – uh, I'm I, waiting for the positivities, Sam. Hey, yeah, come on, man. I, I mean, if you say, don't have I positivity – I was going to say Kovacic, but you just ruined it by saying he has an Achilles <laughs> injury. So, I, I – I think I think uh, a gentleman by the name of Boxcar Baz on Twitter, as he's known, uh, I, I think he speaks for us all, and he actually gives us a positive. So he said, six key guys are still not healthy. Cho, ROC, Pedro, Reese James, Rudiger, and arguably the best player on our team, actually the best player on our team, N'Golo Kante. Mm-hmm. The two best defenders have been out virtually all year. It's going to get a lot better when they're fit. So shout out to Boxcar Baz because honestly, that is as positive as it gets. Guys, we still have six 
first team players out. You could argue that all six of these guys would push for a starting spot in our squad almost every week. I mean, maybe Pedro would be the one that kind of flip flops, but Reese James, Rudy, Cho, RLC, Golo Conte, those are first team players. They're still out. All right, There's still a lot to look forward to. Here. I just realized what my positive is going to be. Uh, okay. Ever the the Arsenal Tottenham drawing that was a great result for us, and we're only two points back from top four spot. <laughs> so although it seems like this season has been abysmal, at least we're not Watford. Okay, at least we're not Wolves, um, and it's still salvageable. I'm not saying we're going to finish top four for sure, but obviously, I mean obviously it's only four games, four matches in, but. We're only we're only two points back from top four. Yeah, and and the player that just kind of hit me from that list that we could have definitely used this past week was Pedro. I mean, Pedro's yeah. work oh, yeah. rate yeah. helping Aspie on that down that right hand side would have been phenomenal. So yeah, having those guys back will be great. Um, two weeks they got two weeks to get healthy. Hopefully they'll be ready for Wolves. Um, my my positive though, I'm gonna individually call out Fikayo Tomori. I thought that for his first Chelsea start at 20 years old, we couldn't have asked for more, honestly. Mm-hmm. For our fourth option center back to look that Premier League ready was amazing. I, I now get why he was Darby's player of the season. Like I get why he's so highly rated by Lampard. He was He's fast. He's strong. He's composed. His passing is something I didn't expect. He had three very good long balls that I can recall. Mm-hmm. Um he looks confident on the ball, right. doesn't he? He knows exactly. what he's doing with it, yeah. He had a hundred and something touches on the ball, and not once did I felt like did I feel like he was nervous or, or rattled when he mm-hmm. was on the ball, and I think that's important in the way we want to play. Obviously, was his positioning perfect during the two goals that we gave up? No, but on the counter side, he had this like two-footed slide that would have been Sheffield's third goal or it would have been a third goal for them where he completely denied the shot. And it definitely gave me flashbacks of JT and Cahill doing that. So that was nice to see. Uh, I'm still weird as to why he started over Christensen, but the fact that our fourth uh, center back can be so solid and in a season where we're going to be playing four competitions, that made me feel so good and just kind of calm that he'll be able to grow and improve from this high point of a of kind of a starting point so yeah Tomori was was one of my was probably my biggest positive this game I think that I think that was it let's uh Mm -hmm. I think I think we're gonna do part two now uh with quest with twitter questions and a preview what do you guys think let's do it all right you want to sign us out then Zach sounds good guys all right (laughs) That is the end of part one, guys. As Sam just said, make sure you listen to part two of the Romans Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. Until next time, keep the blue flag flying high. We'll see you in part two.